So, um, you know, I came to Rescue 3 after 9-11. Uh, Actually, October 5th of 01, I came to Rescue 3. There was, uh, you know, 97 guys in a Special Operations Command killed, and, uh, you know, along with their 343 brothers that sure. day. And uh, they were looking for senior guys to step up to the plate to help fill the void, if you will. That's, that's, that's a huge void, yeah. you know. And, um, you know, I threw my hat in the ring, and, uh, you know, I came over to Rescue 3. And I was blessed to work with Joey D, you know, and I knew Joey, you know, I worked with his dad. He was my division commander um, in, uh, in the 6th Division. And uh, he, uh, he was, in a, as Kevin would say, and, you know, I'll, I'll repeat those words, he was an encyclopedia of knowledge. And when we say it's encyclopedia of knowledge, there's guys that can read a book and, you know, read the book back to you, but he could do everything in a book. Right. And then take the stuff that was in a book and make it better. And that's, you know, that's, that's who Joey was. He was awesome to, yeah, awesome guy to work with. He always wanted to, to drill and train and, you know, outside the box too. He wanted to train, you know, not just typical stuff. So. Yeah. I know his reputation was uh, larger than life, yeah. if you will, from what it sounds like. Yeah. And uh, his love for the job, obviously, um, you know, is evident every day and especially through the foundation now and so on. But working with him, I mean, did you know him prior to getting to rescue so we knew each other, but I mean, I wouldn't say great, but okay. we knew each other, you know, passing each other, you know, at, right. at, at jobs and stuff, you know, uh, and, you know, especially from his dad. I mean, Joey, Joey was in 19 truck before I was in 19 truck, you know, because the sixth division at one time was in there. So we had a bond, you know, I mean, got uh, it. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, just blessed to work with him and, you know, every day, you know, yeah. I mean, and he was a character. Oh, uh, absolutely. It was a character. You know, I remember, uh, I remember one day uh, by the house watch, it was winter time, and, you know, we had one of the oldest firehouses in the city and the cast iron, you know, uh, radiators in there and right next to the house watch desk. I lean up against it and I burn my ass. I'm like, ah, you know, he's, he just, he thought that was the best thing. You know, yeah. it was like, you know, just laughing his ass off. It yeah. Was, uh, always, always high spirited. Oh, absolutely. You know, he, he, you know, it was like a different, it was a different thing when Joey was in a firehouse. There was there was always something going on when Joey was in a firehouse. You know, not that there was another guys. There was, but he was he was you know, the big character in the house. Yeah. You know, um, big personality. Yeah. Okay. Well, take me to Black Sunday. Take me to January twenty third, two thousand five. Yeah. So we'll start the day before. Yeah, you know, please. on the twenty second, because you know we came in the night of the twenty second, and uh, we were facing a nor'easter and. Uh, on January 22nd, um, we had about a foot of snow was coming in, wind was blowing in excess of 45 miles an hour, and, you know, I was doing that night. And uh, so I get into uh, to Rescue 3, and, you know, it's pretty much an uneventful night. You know, a few runs, a few walks in the smoke, and uh, had a great meal. Um, we have an early run on the morning of the 23rd, um, so we're up before the box comes in. And we're sitting in a kitchen drinking coffee, solving the world's problems, breaking each other's chops, just having fun. And we hear this job, you know, well, this box come in. Right. And it sounds like it's a job. And it was in the 8 o'clock hour, early in the 8 o'clock hour. Um, and, uh, you know, we start getting up. We're getting, you know, we monitor the department radio in, 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 uh, in a firehouse. And uh, so we're already getting on a rig. Right. And, you know, the tone goes off and, you know, Rescue 3 is responding. And, um it's 178th Street, um, not too far uh, from the firehouse. We're on uh, uh, 176 between Washington and Park is where the firehouse is. So we're not too far away, but with the snow, it took a little bit, you know, a couple minutes to right. get there. 
And, you know, I, I always say textbook fire. This should have been a textbook fire, but um, monkey wrenches are thrown into this fire uh, right from the get-go. Um, wrong address is initially uh, um, reported. Address is corrected. Companies that were first due are now second due. Second due is first due. Right. Frozen hydrants, you know, um, reported people trapped. So, uh, you know, rescue gets into the box and, you know, rescue three, we report right into the chief and, you know, chief, where do you want us? You know, uh, I was, uh, I was rescue irons that day. Joey was rescue hook and Chris King was the captain that day. Um, he's our captain of rescue three. And, uh, and he goes, I want you on the floor above, you know, assistant 27 truck, uh, the roof team to the roof, uh, and we were riding heavy. We actually had uh, an outside vent man that night, okay. um, which normally we don't have. But because of the storm, all sock companies, all rescue companies were riding one guy extra. And uh, so we get up to the top floor, and uh, I actually passed the fire. It was, you know, I, I didn't even have my face piece on. Paint the picture of the building. So yeah. it's a, it's a four-story uh, um, tenement, um, three apartments per floor. Um, uh, exposure, exposure one's a street, two's a... Uh, a, a lot. Uh, three is a, a, a rear courtyard, um, and four is a similar attached. Right. And um, so we get up to. Well, we're, again, we're on the. Uh, we pass the fire floor. Um, don't have my face piece on. Um, we shoot up. Twenty um, sevens already got one door popped up there. And what are the conditions? Moderate smoke condition at okay. best. Moderate. Again, I'm not. Uh, I don't have a face piece on. But right. a ten seventy five. You know, we got to work in fire and. Uh, and we know we got a job, and there's reported people trapped up here. So, we, you know, we were in the process of searching for that victim. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, again, we're in and out of apartments up there. There's only three apartments. But we're doing a search, and we're not finding any fire. We're not finding any victim. And then we're doing a secondary. And, um, you know, conditions started to change pretty rapidly. You know, it's uh, – they had a, a frozen hydrant. Um, then I don't know, I'll speculate on this a little bit, um, that, uh, a block of ice came through the hose and into the impeller and, and, uh, it shut the, the water down on the, on the pump. Um, okay. so, um, the line on the fire floor, they have no water. Um, they're in there hitting what they think if they're hitting fire, but they're not hitting fire. Um, they're hitting a wall. Um, there's a, there's a wall that doesn't run floor to ceiling, um, in three I, okay. Um, doesn't run. It's it's made out of MDF um, um, material, and it's about ten inches shy of the ceiling. So it's pretty blacked out in there. And I'm not in the fire department, but I, I talked to guys that were in sure. there. And the chauffeur rescue three that day was Doug Hantush, and he's in there with the thermal imaging camera, and uh, he sees the fire at the ceiling. Uh, but unbeknownst to ourselves, there's this wall. They can't and, make the hit. And they're not hitting yeah. the, the, the body of the fire. They lose uh, water pressure. The line off the, back, uh, the top floor is back down to the, the fire floor. And uh, so we're operating without a hand line on the, on the top floor. So the line that was on the floor above because they lost water to the primary line on the fire floor, now back down to the third Correct. floor? Okay. Correct. And... Uh, so we continue to press on up in, you know, in the, uh, the floor above and uh, searching for this victim. And uh, I have a thermal imaging camera. Um, I'm searching with my camera, but, you know, my captain's like, you know, check this, check that. And 
I locate a, a, a pocket of uh, heat in the kitchen area and uh, uh, we open up the wall, a uh, small hole with the halion, I pop open and fire immediately starts to vent out and out of that. Immediately urgent message by, by Chris King, um, you know, we need a lawn to the top floor. Sure. Um, right prior to that, um, the battalion is calling um, 27, want to know conditions on the top floor. He's like, slight extension. I mean, seconds before this, you know, it started to vent out. Yep. Slight extension. Right. And so when this fire started to vent out, um, I'm in the kitchen area. I step into the hallway. Now, conditions are getting dark. Right. Um, and it's, it's going lights out. So on my thermal imaging camera, I pick up the silhouette of 27 truck. They're in front of me. So I advance towards them at the same time. Uh, Captain King is uh, is radioing, you know, the urgent message. We need a line to the top floor to tell 27 they need to fall back. That we got fire behind us. You know, the primary means of egress is the doors behind me. So I run into this firefighter. I tell him, "Hey, we got to uh, we got to get out of here. We got fire behind us." You know, and uh, he says, "We're trapped." I, I turn around and uh, like in an instant, it was fire floor to ceiling. Wow. So I, uh, I go into bedroom two. They, uh, that's what all the diagrams say. They call ours bedroom two or room two. And these were all chopped up. I should right. get back. They were all illegally subdivided SRO, single room occupancies. So it was on the fire floor and it was on the floor above, but we didn't know that at the time. You know? and, and for people that don't typically understand what that is, those are makeshift rooms that are pad individually padlocked or sectioned off. Correct, correct. Mm -hmm. and, and not only, you know, that that's a hazard to us. I mean, we already sure. go into a maze, you know, firefighters, you know, this is this is our eyes in the smoke, our hands, you correct. know. And uh, so now you have these locks and you got to, you know, get around the hamster habit trail, you know, if you will. And uh, um Conditions are deteriorating, deteriorating. Mayday after mayday is transmitted. We're in this uh, bedroom two or room two, and and basically we're like a rat in a cage. That's what I describe. We're like scurrying around this room, and I get knocked over in this room, and I lose my my uh, irons. And I don't blame that firefighter. I don't know who the firefighter was that knocked me over. I lost my tools. Um, guys get pushed to windows. You know, um, I had three other guys in the room with me. Um, Lieutenant Curtis Myron, uh, 27 truck, uh, Gene Stolowski, and Brendan Qualley, both the 27 truck. They're the uh, forceful entry team for uh, 27 truck. And Brendan Qualley, this is his first fire. He's a probie. Wow. Um, his brother Michael was killed on 9-11, and this is, his, uh, this is his first fire. I didn't know this until after. but So these three guys are pushed to one window to my right. Um, I'm at a window. Um, Fire is starting to blow over my head. Um, Joey is in uh, bedroom one um, to my left. Um, his room is starting to light up. John Ballou uh, was somewhere else up there. We don't know exactly where. Um, he, he ended up bailing out of one of the windows. He was a chauffeur for 27 truck, and he was killed that day. Yeah. Um, so we tried to make our way to the right. That's where the, the fire escape was. but unbeknownst to ourselves at the time, there's an illegal subdivision there. Now this was double sheet rock, you know, uh, with, with uh, two by four studs and uh, it was framed out. And uh, 
it impeded us getting to the fire escape. If the fire escape was there, we would have all got out of there, right. like one, one, two, three. Right. But, you know, we couldn't. So we're all pushed to these windows. And uh, I don't, you know, a lot of radio transmissions happened that day. Um, some of them were captured on the, the handy talkie recorder. This is the first fire. It was a, um, a pilot program to have the recorders on the um, um, battalions. Mm -hmm. And this is the, the first time that they were actually uh, uh, recorded the transmissions. And you're pushed to the rear, correct? This correct. Is the rear we're in the a building. rear. So we're, so again, one, one being the street, correct. two, uh, the left side. So you're uh, on the three side or the Charlie side. Yes, yes, right. yes. And uh, so pushed up to these windows and um, I'm, I, I ended up going on to a window air conditioning unit. Um, which we know for the most part, I mean, if you put them in your apartments or your home, they're really not, it's not a stable object that you right. want to put, you know, like a 200 pound man on top of and plus my turnout gear and I'm five stories above the ground. Now it's a four story building, but there's a below grade entrance. So it's, you know, we've got about 10 feet per floor, you know, so it's 50 feet to the ground. And, uh, to my right guys start jumping. Now, I, my mind doesn't allow me to physically see, you know, to visually see those guys anymore. Um, but I knew I was the last guy in that room. Um, I know from reading the reports and talking to Gene a lot that Lieutenant Myron went out first. He was showing Brendan how to go. He goes down to the ground. Um, Brendan goes out next. Down to the ground he goes. 50 feet. Um, Gene goes out the window um, and he gets hung up on the child guard gate. The alligator clip on, uh, on the Scott uh, uh, air pack um, hung up on, uh, on the uh, child guard gate and he was hanging upside down. Mm. And he hung there for a couple seconds and then he down to the ground and went. Um, wow. And, you know, again, Mayday after Mayday, you know, getting back to that was transmitted and, sure. you know, I transmitted Maydays. They weren't picked up on, on the handy talkies. Not everything was or picked up on a recorder. You know, we had problems with our radios prior to 9-11. 9-11, we had problems. And, you know, I, I, I don't know today. I mean, it's been 17 years. You know, not everything is, you know, guys talk over one another. Right. I mean, a Mayday situation, uh, you know, it's supposed to be, you know, controlled chaos, right? I mean, that's really what it is. But uh, unfortunately, you know, sometimes guys talk over one another. I mean, you had six different guys trapped, you know, and then you it got went the, quick. And then you got the rescuers trying to, you know, do the rescue. You know, um, I, I should say that the brothers were very diligent. They were trying to come and get us um, in the rear of the building on the exposure three side. Uh, it's an alleyway and aerial couldn't get back there. There's there's no way that an aerial would get back there. And our our longest portable ladder is 35 feet. Right. So we were, we were pretty much screwed, you know, and uh, the guys on the roof, they started a, a life-saving rope, uh, rope evolution, and um, the time was of the essence. So when these guys bailed, I mean, it was stay there and, and burn to death or jump and hope for the best, yeah. you know? And, and, you know, and then I'll get to where Joey and I are. You know, I was the only guy carrying a rope that day. Um, in 1999, you know, the New York City Fire Department, December of 1999, they took our ropes away from us. Um, they said we weren't using them. They were too heavy. They were cumbersome. They didn't fit our gear. It was all a load of crap. You know, it was it was just crap. And then they were supposed to develop a new system, 
right? This is December 1999, speed forward to January 23rd, 2005. There's no ropes. There's no study that was ever done. We know that factually now. There was no nothing going on, you know? Right. I mean, they just, um, they let firefighters die that day, you know? And um, I bought a rope six months to the day that it was actually used. I bought it at a firehouse in, in Baltimore, right. you know, at the, at the trade show. And I came home and uh, I don't know, it was like $300, right? The, the system that I bought. And uh, my wife wasn't too happy, needless to say, you know, she's like, you know, uh, I was working, you know, a side job, sure. plus I was in the Air National Guard, you know, and we got boys that play hockey and paying bills. And, you know, and I said, you know, I, I said, this rope one day could save my life. Yeah. That, those were my words to her, wow. you know, and we look back on it now and, you know, it's, it, it actually is truth, you know, but sure. who would have knew that day, you know? Yeah. So we get to these windows and, and I'm up on this air conditioned unit and fire's blowing out over my head and I'm getting burned. And Joey described it as a jet engine. You know, he said, there's like a jet engine blowing out over your head. And, uh, yeah, I have pictures of my, I have my gear now and I, I, I see how the, you know, it started to fail. Sure. Um, and, uh, by the grace of God, you know, it, it did its job. And I had this rope in my pocket and I said, Joey, I got a rope, but I got to know where to tie it to. He says, throw me the rope. Quick argument. He says, you got a wife and kids, you go first. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's a big deal, man. That's like, sure. Ugh. you know, he, uh, I threw him the rope. Um, and he wrapped one end around his arm and he stood on it. Um, it really wasn't a system. You know, I had a couple of beaners in there. I had a, a, a harness, but it wasn't married into my harness. I didn't take wraps on my, on my hook. Um, and I, you know what? I trained and trained so many times to go out a window, you know? I mean, we did a blaze, you know, uh, just wrapping it around your body sure. and, you know, different ways, you know, with your, your mask and using a hook and using a halligan. And, you know, I, I, hundreds of times I went out windows. And unfortunately this day, I don't want to say my training let me down, but my, you know, I would say the department let, let all of us down, you know, when they, when they took that equipment away from us, right. you know, um, you know, these, these going back to those old ropes, there were 40 feet of rope, right. That were so easy to use. I mean, I carried mine all the time. I mean, before we went to bunker gear, um, I used to have my harness on my, you know, my, my person all the time. Right. If I was sitting on a crapper, my harness was at my feet. Yep. Um, you know, at, at nighttime, you know, when I was resting my eyes, uh, in my bunk, um, my harness was at, you know, on the floor and I would throw it on quickly and my rope was in my pocket. I mean, we could take this rope and, um, you know, one, two, three, and you're out the window. You right. know, it was, it, it, that rope became because of, uh, firefighter Frisbee and Fitzpatrick, uh, rescue three and, uh, um, 28 truck. Um, they were killed when, uh, when the other one tried to, to rescue one that was trapped and, right. uh. And that's where the, the personal ropes came from. Now we're at these windows. We're actually seeing history repeat itself. Yeah. You know? um, we should have had these systems and, and it wasn't there. So I throw Joey the rope. I take the rope and wrap it around me in a belay fashion. He's standing on it, wrapping it around his arm. And uh, out the window, I, I roll out. And uh, I pendulum out from the three to the two side. I come back in speculation but i believe i hit the wall and when i hit the wall my hands opened up and because i got the wind knocked out of me and down to the ground i went um 
Now, I know I pendulum because I was in window two. I was in, in two windows back there, and Joey was here. I landed right underneath the Joey. Okay. Um, I landed probably an inch or two inches from falling another 10 feet. I landed right at the top step. You know, one, one, one to two more inches, I'm, I'm falling another 10 feet. Wow. I probably cut 12 to 15 feet off my fall. Um, and uh, Joey went next. And he clipped it onto a child guard gate. Not a substantial object, but that's what he had to use that day. And he rolls out the window, 12 to 15 feet, he gets down, down to the ground. He, and he goes that extra 10 feet. Okay. And, um, you know, Joey, Joey and I had, uh, and Gene, uh, had catastrophic injuries. Um, by, by rights, all, all three of us should have been dead. Yeah. You know, um, I bled out, uh. I bled out 72 units of blood um, before they had all the bleeding stopped. And, you know, the average human being has 8 to 10 units of blood in them. And uh, I bled out 72, so I bled out over and over again. Yeah. Femoral bleed, uh, pretty much broke all my ribs, both my shoulders, uh, my pelvis, compression fractures in my back, burns. Um, they had to cut me from my sternum to my belly button, take all my internal organs, rest them outside my body um, to let all the swelling go down. and. Uh, and Joey had, you know, similar injuries, you know, and we're in two different hospitals. I mean, right. he, he broke his, Joey broke his feet. And that was like, that was like the, his most painful injury on, if you could do that, you know, he broke his pelvis too, you know, but I guess they could address that with him. Okay. But his feet were, he said it was always like um, walking on broken glass because all the bones in his feet were broke. Shattered. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, we, uh, we talked on the phone, you know, at, at, at some point, you know, and then months later, we finally got to see one another, you know, and uh, I, I, you know, I, I told him, I go, you saved my life and I'm forever indebted. I mean, Joey didn't get a medal that day, but I mean, jeez, I, I, I couldn't think of any higher yeah. medal that you could have gave him. I mean, he should have got the James Gordon Bennett, you know, yeah. I mean, he, he was right there. That was a supreme sacrifice that, you know, I mean. He did make the supreme sacrifice, you yeah. know, six years later from, from that day, you know, and uh, um, he's held to a very uh, high standard in, in the cool household. You know, both my boys, uh, Jeff and Dylan, they, uh, they call him Uncle Joey. You know, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's inked on my arm, you know, the rope and our, our helmets, but Joey lives in, he lives in my heart and soul every day, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, what, a, what a very powerful story and experience to go through the recovery that you're still going through after all these years um joey was um in a lot of pain for many many years uh through his uh hope of recovery and uh, and then he passed um so, several years later yeah, six years later six years later yep. yeah yeah he uh joey was on you know some medicine for both psychological and and physical pain you know and uh, and we all and, and you know listen we all went through it sure. you know and, and I'm not downplaying it and unfortunately you know it ended up uh, it it took Joey you know um, I actually it was I was numb the day that I was told that that Joey died I, I, I couldn't cry I was just absolutely numb yeah. because he was in the best place that I've ever seen him since you know post um, fire you know he was just you know it was like he's writing poetry um it, it it's everywhere it's life's good life's good you yeah. know and i was so happy to see that yeah. and then yeah. 
then he passed, you know, it was just, it was crushing. Yeah. When I say it's crushing for me, you think about his family, you know, it's like, you know, yeah. And his father, it should be said, if people aren't, because people are going to see this that don't really know a lot of the background. And, and I would encourage everybody to watch and learn and read about not just the fire, but the, his family's legacy, his father, Chief D, and so on. And, you know, very, a very powerful family, um, very well in tune and connected with the, with the fire service, the New York City Fire Department, and so on. Um, just incredible legacy. And, and maybe that's where we should go with this now is legacy. What are you doing today? I know that you still have some physical struggles and, and, and probably some mental anguish still from that day long ago, but I know you've turned a lot of this into good. Yeah. Well, you got it. You know, I guess you got to turn, you know, what God gives you, you got to, you know, roll with it, you yeah. know? And uh, from minute one, I was an advocate for, to make sure that every firefighter um, had a, a personal safety system, you know? Um, and I, uh, I remember, uh, actually I have a video of it, me talking to Commissioner Scapetta, um, leaving St. Barnabas to go to Helen Hayes Rehab. Um, and I pleaded with them, you know, please don't let this ha happen to another firefighter. And, uh, and he promised me, and, you know, he, he held good on it, you know, because it was months later that the New York City Fire Department, they, they had the ropes, you yeah. know. I mean, and I, I think it's important to stay. When they, when they took our ropes away, basically they took them away because they held, hit a shelf life. And it was just under a million dollars, like, to put it back out there. I mean, I don't know what our budget is, but our, our budget's huge, sure. you know. $16.5 million after the fact that they did to develop this system, you know. And, uh, and that's on top, you know, now Curtis Myron and, and John Below, they're dead. You know, no, nothing's bringing them back. And, uh, you know, um, Gene Stolowski is, you know, he's pretty screwed up. He had an internal decapitation, you know. Yeah. Um, Brendan Clawley, he's the only firefighter that returned back to the firehouse. And, you know, then there's, then there's Joey and Jeff, you know, but, you know, um, I've always wanted to do something for the fire service. And we went out and we told the story. We did it, I think twice when all four survivors got to speak. We did wow. it once in Baltimore and we did it once in San Diego. And that was, that was the only time that all four of us got to do it and, uh, and tell their part of the story. And, uh, with Joey's passing, you know, like I was already out there still being passionate, you know, you need this as part of your PPE. With Joey's passing, you know, it became a bigger picture. And, you know, I charge a fee to go out there and talk to these departments, um, but they don't write a check to me. They write it to the Joey D Foundation, right. you know? And uh, I'm so passionate to see that every firefighter has this fail safe, you know? You know, firefighters, we wear thousands and thousands of dollars in PPE on our, uh, on, our, on our persons, you know, but if we can't bail out quickly and efficiently when a need arises, then, you know, then what really we, what are we doing, right. you know? I mean, a fire pilot, he sits on top of a, a multi-million dollar aircraft, right? And he sits on top of, you know, he has an egress system. You know, if something goes wrong in that, in that aircraft, he can quickly and efficiently bail out. That's right. And that's what the PSS is, you know? And I, I, I'm still, like, it's 17 years later, and I can't believe that more than half the departments in the United States don't have bailout systems because everybody thinks that it's the big city, you know, um, and that's not factual. Right. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll say it is in 2009, we had 10 firefighters bail out a three-story or less wood frame structures in the state of New York, Buffalo, Syracuse, and the city of Yonkers. And in the city of Yonkers, and, and for those that don't know it, Yonkers butts right up against the Bronx. Right. And they didn't get it, you know, they didn't get how important 
these systems are. And Firefighter Patrick Joyce of Rescue One and Yonkers Fire Department went out the window and he was impaled on a wrought iron fence and he bled to death. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, like every, every time I see a bailout, you know, and there's no system, you know, it, it, it makes me mad, but it also hurts. Like I could feel that hurt, you know, um, you know, for that family and for that firefighter, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, listen, guys die, guys and gals die in, in a job, you know, that's inevitable, you know, stuff happens, you know, but this is stuff that can be prevented. You know, this is a fail safe, you right. know, let's do it. I don't know. I really don't know what it is that, you know, people can't do that. I think it's getting the conversation going. I think so many people need to hear this message, this story, meet you, meet the Joey D Foundation, Chief D, because you're an advocate for life-saving equipment for ourselves. We always talk about for them. We also need to talk about for us. Yeah. And that's a piece of equipment that truly is for us. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Jeff, thank you. What else are you doing? You go out and you speak. Where can people find you? Where can they contact you? Where can they hear your message? Well, they can contact me directly through, you know, the Joey D uh, Foundation, joeyd.org. Uh, or I guess look me up on Facebook. You know, I'm there on Facebook. You know, right. they, could, they could find me. You know, I'm not too hard to find, you know. Yeah. So. Good. Well, I appreciate it. This has been an absolute honor to sit down with you and to get to know you over the last few months. Um, I, truly, uh, I truly believe that you're here for the reason. And uh, I, I like to I like to say one thing. So, like, every day I wear, this is a piece of the rope from that day. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know, I have I have the whole rope, but, you know, I cut two pieces off. My one son that, you know, he's he's in the process of uh, hopefully becoming a New York City fireman one day. You know, he, he, he wears it, you know, and it's, uh, yeah. you know, Joey, you know, I, you know I, heroes, uh you know, we, I don't know, Hollywood and, you know, Major League Baseball and whatever, those are not heroes, you know, or, or Major League Sports. Um, heroes, you know, sometimes you're just lucky, you know, you work with your hero. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah I, I, think, um, I think we have a duty, an obligation. I know we do with our platform because we do have a community that, that believes in what we do. Um, Days like today where I get to sit down with you and being here this weekend with the foundation really solidifies for myself and I can say for Robin Sevy too with what we do. These are those moments that are super impactful for us because we have a community that believes in us and our message. And if we can help share that knowledge and experience and, and the experiences that you went through and the legacy of Joey and the others that perished that day... Um, you know, then we have that obligation to do that with our community. And, and that's one way that we get that message out. You know, um, that's super important to me. Uh, and so I just, I value this today. And, and I hope that we can do our part to share the message um, and to get it out there because people need to know. They need to hear the audio. They need to see the online videos about it. They need to read about it. They need to know the story behind every guy that went out that window that day and understand the sacrifice they made. And now today, because of their sacrifices, you know, now there's equipment that could potentially save others. Absolutely. We need to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I still, I mean, it's 17 years later, but I still think that we've only scratched the surface yeah. with the bailout systems. You know, we say PSS and that was, that was coined after, after black Sunday and that, that, 
the term Black Sunday, I mean, that's kind of weird too, but that was what the media dubbed that fire, you know, I mean, and I, and I should, you know, I should say that, you know, I mean, Black yeah. Sunday, it was, it was the deadliest day post 9-11 for the New York City Fire Department, you know, like we lost John Ballou and, and Kurt Myron that, that morning, but uh, that afternoon, Richie Scalfani, 103 truck, yes. he also passed away. Um, in a second fire. Yes, in a second fire. fire in Brooklyn. And, right. uh, you know, I mean, you know, you never know. You know, listen, I, I, they, when I was in probie school, I remember one of my DIs, you know, he says, you know, he would tell a story, you know, he goes, look to the left, look to the right, you know, and, you know, guys are going to die in this class, you know. And, uh, you know, he used to tell story after story, you know, he was a good, good fireman. And he tells, you know, he's a good fireman, but he died, you know, and, you know. I'm tired of watching my friends die, you know, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I lost more than my share. Yeah. So. Yeah. But you're doing everything you can to, uh, keep their memories alive by pushing today yeah. and doing what you're doing. So I thank you for, on behalf of all of us, I Thanks. thank you for doing that because I know every time you put on your class or have this conversation or an interview, it brings up the struggles that you've had over all these years. So I recognize that. It does, but it's for a reason. Yeah. You know? and, and, and it drains me. It really does drain me. But it's, it, it, it's therapeutic and it's for a reason. Yeah. You know? so. Good. Well, thank you for your time and sharing the message. And we are going to do everything in our power to be sure to share this story and to get it out there and, uh, and the legacy of, the, of Joey and uh, yourself, your hard work and the foundation. Um, it's just a great cause. Thank you. So good. Thanks, Joe.